Today on Blue 58, let's take a final look back on the Packers' win over the Bears on Thursday night before we take a stroll around the rest of the NFC North to see how a few upcoming Packers opponents looked in their openers. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here as we start off our week heading towards the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, still enjoying the afterglow of the Packers' win over the Bears. Uh, it's always fun to beat the Bears. But the longer I think about it, I wonder how much there is we can actually learn from this game. So what I've done is actually I've gone back and watched the game a couple more times. First, uh, some of the highlights and then uh, the condensed game on NFL Game Pass just to get a feel for for some of the things that uh, that we saw Thursday night. And more importantly, their impact on the Packers going forward. Overall, I think the the early reaction to that game was the offense was really, really bad, but the defense was really, really good. And I think having gone through it a couple more times, looked at it a little bit more closely, I think I'm a little bit higher on the offense and a little bit more cautious about the defense. I think the offense actually played better in some aspects than the, the first impressions actually showed. As the game was happening, it looked like they were absolutely getting shut down, like they couldn't do anything at all. And I think largely that's true. They didn't do a whole lot in this game. They didn't move the ball consistently. They didn't move the ball really all that much at all, only slightly over 200 total yards in this game, 213 to be precise. It's It was not a, a great offensive performance, and yet I think there were a couple signs uh, of things to come. I think against a less accomplished defensive unit outside of week one, the Packers could have had a very, very good opening night on offense. Uh, Just for example, on the Packers' touchdown scoring drive, it looked like they used some play sequencing that could be really emblematic of the sort of offense that Matt LaFleur is going to run. So he talked all this offseason about how he wants to be able to run different plays out of similar looks, so similar formation, similar personnel groups, and he saw a little bit of that on that drive. Similar actions, similar setups uh, with the with the personnel groupings, and all of it uh, kind of came together and resulted in a touchdown on a very, very quick drive. Of course, when you get 47 yards of it on one play, that's a, that's a good way to do that. Related to that on offense, we talked a little bit on Thursday night into Friday morning about Aaron Rodgers and his arm strength. And I think I would like to temper that a little bit. My initial remarks were not based on uh, all of the angles available on some of those plays. And I think having looked back on it, um, there's a little less concern on my part there. I think it's still something worth watching, but particularly on the the Marquez Valdez-Scantling deep ball, I'm not sure he would have ever been really set up to get everything on that pass at all. He really spent a lot of time leading up to that throw, looking left, looking left, looking left, trying to hold the safety on that side of the field so Valdez Scantling could get past him running to his right. When he actually releases the ball, most of his body is still pointed to the left. You can find images of this on the social network of your choice. It's out there if you want to go look at it. He still gets a lot on that ball, even with a an a throwing platform that is not super ideal. So a little less concerned about the arm strength stuff, although that I, th- I think that is still something you're going to want to watch as the season goes on. The defense, I'm a little less optimistic about. Sure, it was great to, to hold the Bears to three points, especially when they've got an offensive guru like Matt Nagy calling the shots for them. 
But looking through that game again, Mitchell Trubisky was just so bad. And I don't even want to say so bad. He missed so many opportunities that could have changed the game for the Bears, even in small ways. Repeatedly missing Allen Robinson, just making some questionable decisions on third down plays. Even some of the sacks that he took were not great decisions. Uh, sometimes, and Aaron Rodgers is guilty of this too, but more often than not, when Rodgers takes a sack, the play is is all but over. Like he didn't ha- he, he didn't have any other options than to take a sack. Trubisky, it seems, ran himself into at least one or two of those sacks, which takes a little bit of the shine off the Packers' defensive effort, though it doesn't diminish it entirely. I'm a little less optimistic as a whole of the on the Packers' defensive effort just because of how badly the Bears played on offense. If they can do the same thing again against the Vikings on Sunday, that would be just phenomenal. But I'm not I'm not holding out all that much hope for a, a completely duplicated effort against the Vikings. Looking forward, um, I think there are a couple guys in particular who need to play a lot better on defense for these this sort of effort to continue. Tony Brown and Kevin King played solid in spurts, but overall their effort uh, playing across from Jair Alexander needs to be better. And I, when I say effort, I don't mean they're actually like how much they exerted themselves during the game. I mean, like their effort as in their, their finished product, their, their, uh, when you say like his effort against the, the bears or whatever, um, that's what I'm talking about there. Their output needs to be better. Um, the bear, the Packers didn't rotate their corners a lot against the bears. That was something that stuck out to me on, on watching the replay. They kept Jair Alexander on one side and Tony Brown or Kevin King on the outside on the other with uh, Tremont Williams playing in the slot a lot. And a lot of Allen Robinson's very good performance came came against either Tony Brown or Kevin King. Now, Kevin King did drop an interception, which would have changed a lot of the numbers going against him and against that side of the field. But by and large, that side of the field was a fairly productive environment for the Bears. And if the Packers are going to duplicate their defensive effort in the future, they need a more consistent effort from those guys on that side of the field especially if you're going into a game against a team like the Minnesota Vikings, where they have two pretty high-end receivers in Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Keep an eye on that. One question I I had coming out of this game is, who is somebody who played a really small role that's going to ultimately have a much bigger impact later this season? Because you know there are players like that on, on every Packers team every year. A guy you don't know about doesn't play a lot at the start of the season, ends up having a big role down the stretch. Last year was a guy like Tyler Lancaster, starts out on the the practice squad, makes it to the active roster, ends up being a key contributor in their games down the stretch. Not that they ended up winning a lot of those games down the stretch, but I think you you know what I mean. He he was a significant player for the Packers defense in those late season games. The easy, quick reaction here is Rashawn Gary. He only played six snaps in the in the first game, and he had a couple pressures on those snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. But I think, by and large, you'd hope for a little bit more out of the 12th overall pick. I wonder if in this game, both uh, Mike Pettin and uh, Matt LaFleur said, look, we've got some promising youngsters on this team, but we just need to ride with the more experienced players in this game just to to weather the storm against what could be a really good offense and will be a really good defense. I think that's why uh that that had to have been a reason why Lane Taylor got the nod going into week 1 over Alton Jenkins. I still think he's going to be 
uh, the option for the Packers not too far into the season here, Jenkins that is. And I think it, it could have played into why the Packers were hesitant to go with Rashawn Gary more consistently. They had more experienced options there. That's why he didn't play all that much behind Preston and Zadarius Smith. But a guy like Darnell Savage, who is clearly the best option at the position that he plays, got a lot of burn. In fact, played every single snap. That could be a reason that we didn't see more of Rashawn Gary. I think we'll see more of him in in weeks and months to come. But that's not the player I'm going with here. Uh, the, the player, I think, who's going to end up having a big impact later this season, who played the smallest possible role on Sunday, is Kingsley Kiki. Now, he was inactive uh, on Thursday night. A little bit of a surprise, though not entirely that much, given some of the circumstances that we talked about, maybe wanting to ride with some of those more experienced players. But he showed in the preseason that he can play at an NFL level and play consistently. And I would be surprised if we get too far into the season here before he is playing consistently with the Packers defense. He seems like a great rotational piece, got great length, great versatility, can play inside or outside. He uses his hands really well. He's obviously very, very strong. If you watch him play, he controls the man in front of him really well. It's it's really interesting to watch, actually, and, and really satisfying to watch from a defensive line perspective. It, he just does a really great job. I think he's going to end up playing a really big role this year, even though he didn't do anything at all on Thursday night. He couldn't. He was inactive. Um, so that's the player, even more so than Rashawn Gary, that I'll be watching for the Packers heading into uh, the deeper parts of the schedule here. It could be a couple weeks. I don't know exactly when that would happen, but I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. Let's take a second to look around the NFC North here. As I hit record on this, the Detroit Lions were just wrapping up their game with the Arizona Cardinals. We'll get to that outcome in a second. Let's start with the Chicago Bears, though. We saw the Bears Thursday against the Packers. I think uh, the quick impression there is that the defense is going to still be good throughout this season. Real bold take there, I know. The Bears are going to have a good defense, though. It's going to stay good unless they really get hammered by injuries. Uh, Khalil Mack is still scary, although the Packers managed to to more or less negate him with uh, Brian Bulaga and David Bakhtiari. Had some more success up the middle, but he's when he's rushing from his traditional edge rusher spot, Brian Bulaga and David Bakhtiari got things done. Um, the rest of their defense is still going to be good. Akeem Hicks is good. Roquan Smith looked great. Eddie Jackson is still Eddie Jackson. It's going to be good. Uh, the offense remains the question mark, though, and I think it's probably going to get better. But as we talked about in the podcast right after the game, Mitchell Trubisky seems, at this point in his career, like a still a super high-variance player. Sometimes he can be really, really good. Sometimes he can be really, really bad. And you're not really going to ever be sure which Mitch you're going to get. That's super frustrating if you're a Bears fan. It can be super scary if you're a fan of an opposing team like the Packers. Mitchell Trubisky could come out and be week one of 2019 Mitchell Trubisky, or he could be, what was it, week 15, uh, 2008 Mitchell, 2018 Mitchell Trubisky, uh, where he played a real solid game against the Packers in, in Chicago late last season. That's a scary place to be, again, if you're, if you're the Chicago Bears trying to put together a Super Bowl run here. But that does leave some room for him to grow and improve even as the season goes on. You'd probably hope he'd be a little bit further along in his third year. I don't think that's an unfair thing to say. I don't think that's bashing him. You just, you would wish he'd probably be a little bit better if you're a Bears fan, if you're, you know, just a fan of quarterback play in general. He's not right now, or at least it didn't seem to be in week one. Uh, but there is some opportunity to improve going forward. Minnesota, 
This is an interesting one because the the Packers have Minnesota coming up this next week at Lambeau Field. Thank goodness, that's a that's a good place to get them early in the season. You'd rather you know stay home and sort things out uh, on your home turf if you can do it. Uh, but Minnesota absolutely beat the snot out of the Atlanta Falcons today. It was not even close. Never in doubt. There they controlled this game start to finish. Atlanta just looked it just looked terrible. Uh, 28 to 12, the final score, and really wasn't even that close. Minnesota, uh, you know, whooped him up one side and down the other. Dalvin Cook, 111 yards. Kirk Cousins only attempts 10 throws in the game, 8 of 10 for 98 yards and a touchdown. Hey, that's not a bad day's work for however many millions of dollars he's getting this season. You'll take that if you're a quarterback. I think that check is still going to clear. He doesn't care how many passes he throws. This is going to be a headache. Uh, the Vikings are going to be a problem on Sunday in in Green Bay. I would not count on them being as susceptible to the Packers' defense as the Bears were because whatever Kirk Cousins is, I don't think he's going to have the lowest lows or the lower lows that Mitchell Trubisky can have. Uh, He seems like he's very capable of executing an offense competently, keeping his team in the game. I mean, just look at the the Packers-Vikings game early last season, the one that was altered by that very bad penalty call on Clay Matthews. Uh, he was bad up until that point, though he didn't take them out of the game entirely. And then after the Vikings got new new life after that Matthews hit, he brings them down the field a couple times, puts them right back in the game, and uh, gets them into overtime where the Packers have inj- uh, and Vikings eventually tied. But still, uh, he's pretty solid. Then you've got Dalvin Cook right alongside him on offense. He did a, a really great job today, 111 yards, two touchdowns. And he is running, interestingly enough, uh, with Gary Kubiak as his offensive coordinator, uh, or a, a coach there. They've got uh, the, the Kubiak father-son duo there in Minnesota uh, getting getting things done for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, Kevin Stefanski is actually calling the shots for the Vikings as their offensive coordinator, but Gary Kubiak is there. His son, Clint, is uh, the quarterback's coach. Kubiak, as we talked about way, way, way back when we were talking about the Matt LaFleur branch of the, the West Coast offense, is kind of from that Mike Shanahan branch of the of the tree. More run-heavy, wide-zone type stuff, and I don't think it's super unfair to say that, at least in theory, the Minnesota Vikings running attack is schematically very similar to what the Packers are hoping to run. I say hoping because we didn't see much of it, at least in, a, in an effective way, on uh, on Thursday, but hopefully going forward, it's a little bit more effective. If the Vikings can get those sorts of results with with Dalvin Cook, you'd hope the Packers would be able to get something silver, similar with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and eventually Dexter Williams. But Cook is, is going to be a good player, and he's going to be successful running this offensive scheme. The Vikings defense, of course, is always hard to count out when they have Mike Zimmer running the show there. He's their de facto de- defensive coordinator, calls the shots for them on defense. They've still got great personnel. Harrison Smith on the back end is still still very dangerous. Daniil Hunter up front is as good a pass rusher as you can find in the NFL. It's going to be a headache on Monday or on Sunday, excuse me, and uh, probably throughout the season. I would say the the NFC North as a whole is probably going to be pretty close, top to bottom this year as we're starting to get a little bit better feel for for things. Uh, just as uh, as the season plays out, the Vikings again they're going to be a problem on Sunday. Uh, I don't look forward to uh, <laughs> to how that game could turn out, although I think the Packers have as good a shot as any is coming out on, on top. Detroit, and then then let's call it a show. Uh, they tie with the Arizona, uh, the Arizona Cardinals today. Almost said the Arizona Falcons. Nope, we just talked about the Falcons. They played the Vikings. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals put a heck of a scare in the Lions today. 
And uh, I think this is kind of the, the most Detroit Lions outcome <laughs> that you could really hope for because they came out early looking pretty good. It looked like they were going to take care of business against the Arizona Cardinals, and uh, they were. Early on, they were they were getting things done. They got up, they built a sizable lead, and looked like they were just going to cruise. And who could really have expected much of a different outcome? You've got a rookie quarterback, however talented he may be, in Kyler Murray. You've got a rookie head coach in Cliff Kingsbury. You kind of don't expect a, a rookie tandem like that to go out and, and beat a defense that, you know, although a little bit inconsistent at times, is still pretty solid. They've got some good players on the Detroit Lions defense. But as it turns out, the Cardinals rallied, forced overtime, and then overtime happened and they ended up tying. On offense, Matt Stafford is still Matt Stafford. Uh, People have complicated feelings about him, uh, but now he's throwing to TJ Hawkinson, who looked pretty darn good uh, in his debut. Six catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown. That 131 yards, I think, is the most by a rookie tight end in his debut uh, ever in in league history, so good on him. Uh, I might have to reconsider my t uh, my tight end value proposition pick uh, in the NFL draft. I, I criticized the Lions earlier this year uh, for taking a tight end that high. I'm not ready to move off that position entirely, but if you're going to get performances like that out of the guy you take uh, eighth overall, you, you feel pretty good about that. So early returns, pretty good there for Detroit with T.J. Hawkinson on defense. I think it's fair to say a work in progress after Week One. Uh, of course, they've got Trey Flowers, um, the, the big free agent signing. Uh, no sacks or anything today, but you know he's out there and making plays uh, over the course of the season, I'm sure. Um, and of course, they allowed the big comeback to the rookie quarterback and the rookie head coach um, in their first ever game together. So you can't give their their defense too many too much credit, although they did have five sacks of of Kyler Murray as well. Of the three. NFC North opponents the Packers will play this year. Detroit, by far, remains the the biggest enigma to me. What are they, really? Uh, are they going to be an offensive-heavy team, or are they going to be a defensive-heavy team? They've got a, a big-time, or a big-salaried quarterback, at least, but they've got a defensive-minded head co- coach. I think it's going to take some time to figure out what the Lions really are. And that's the takeaway, I think, that I would try to emphasize as a whole from week one with all of these teams. It's going to take us a while to figure out exactly what they are. What are the what are the Bears? Are they the team that only scored three points on Thursday and couldn't uh, really play enough defense to, to overcome three points from their offense? Are, are the Packers uh, a team that's going to struggle on offense all year? Or are they going to be able to ri- rely on their defense to win games for them? Is Minnesota the team that absolutely hammered Atlanta? Are they gonna, just going to roll over everybody this year? Is Detroit, well, what are they at all? Do they lose to a, a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach? And is that just how their season's going to be? Who knows? It's going to take some time to get to know these teams. That's how it happens every year. Uh, and I'd, I'd caution against rushing to any conclusions early on here. But it was interesting to get a look at each of these NFC North opponents uh, right away in the first week and uh, try to get some, a feel for how they could play against the Packers here in the relatively near future. So I've got for you in this episode. We'll be back later this week uh, with a look at something in particular that the Vikings do very well, the double A-gap blitz. We talked about this way back in 2016. I think it's time to return to that and uh, talk about how it could affect the Packers game uh, on Sunday, especially with how the Packers' interior offensive line played against the Bears. Keep an eye out for that. Check us out on Patreon. Check us out on social media. Connect with us wherever you can. Don't forget to vote 
in our upcoming poll this week. Should mention this here. Uh, every Wednesday, uh, well, shouldn't say every Wednesday. Most Wednesdays in traditional game weeks when the Packers are going to be playing on Sundays or Mondays. If they're playing on Thursdays, we do it at a different time. But uh, most Wednesdays this season, we'll be doing our weekly Twitter uh, Twitter poll, seeing how people feel about the team as a whole and various uh, figures within the team. Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, Mike Pettin, just seeing where people's opinions go throughout the course of the season on those guys. So keep an eye out for that this week and give us a follow on Twitter if you haven't already. Gary, in particular, is putting out some really good content on our on our Twitter feed, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, as always, if you've got a question, a thought, a piece of feedback, something that you want us to talk about or explore, never hesitate to reach out. Leave us a message wherever you can. And we'll try to get to it and uh, answer whatever questions you might have or or, uh, or explore a topic you would like to see explored. That helps us further our mission more than anything else of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I've been your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.